morning. Let's try again. Good morning. Good looking crew. Glad everyone's out and took an opportunity to come to worship together and learn together and hopefully we will, after this service, uh, serve together. Spiritual bankruptcy, this is uh, the second part of this series. Um, Looking at the story of Job, uh, chapter 13 is where our uh, text for the series comes from. Verse 15, Job 13, verse 15 says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. This also be my salvation, for a godless man may not come before his presence. So a godless man... We've talked about last week how that faith in God brings us through the Word of God coming in our heart, will put us in right relationship with God, and in our right relationship with Him, that it makes us righteous, and how that He'll clothe us with white raiment, garments, and all those things. And to be in right standings with God is an awesome thing. And any of you that's ever experienced a salvation moment in your life where that you gave your life to Jesus, that you accepted him to be the Lord of your life, and you saw and witnessed the weight lifted off your shoulders and those burdens cast away, it's an awesome experience. And that's a right relationship with God. It puts you in right, and you know it in that instant, that there's no doubt that you're, the faith of God that you're applying to your heart in that instant is like, I know he just saved me. I don't have to wonder if I'm going to heaven. I don't have to think, well, do I, can I, will I, should I? No, we know. We have confidence in him that what he did on the cross of Calvary was sufficient to cover the sins that I've committed. And it's an awesome thing. But going on the journey of life after that is where we get in the weeds. Anybody say Amen. The journey of life after the moment of salvation is where that there is heartache, that there is pain, that there is mountains, that there is valleys. And there's old songs that the church used to sing all the time about mountains and valleys. He's a God on the mountain. He's a God in the valley. He's, he's God everywhere we are. And no matter what situation you find yourself in today or where, what steps of those processes you're in, know this, that God is with us. He promised when we gave our life to him, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. How many has been left or forsaken by somebody else? Somebody promised you something that said they was going to do something for you or said they would help you with something. Then next thing you know, you turn around and look and they're not there. Amen? When we see that happen, it's easy to get let down. But know this, that Jesus promised he will never let you down. And my question to you today is, does he fulfill his promises? The Bible says his promises are yes and amen. He is going to complete the things he set out to do. He's the savior of the world, and he promised that he would come. In Genesis, you can go back and read the story in Genesis, and God promised that he would send a seed that would crush the head of the serpent, who is the devil. And in that seed, he was promising that he would send Somebody to take back the curse that Adam and Eve had brought upon this earth. And that seed is Jesus. Did Jesus come? Was he born in a manger? Was he born of a virgin like God promised in the Old Testament in Isaiah? All the things that he promised in his word became true. Jesus fulfilled scripture after scripture after scripture in the Old Testament. He goes through and finishes what he says he'll do. Sometimes that's not the case for us. Leslie says from time to time that people, what is it that we 
judge ourselves according to our intentions. And we judge others by their actions. So if we intend to do something good, we go ahead and give ourselves credit. But when somebody else intends to do something good and then don't follow through, we judge them by their actions. And that's not fair. We need to point our fingers back at ourselves just as much as we pointed at everybody else. And we're living in a fallen sin state world, and we're going to have those failures of people around us. And we're going to have people to let us down, and we're going to let others down. How many's ever told somebody to do something and didn't follow through? Maybe even forgot about it. Thought about it a week later. Oh, man, I promised Todd I was going to bring him this. Or, oh, I promised him I was going to do this or do that. We need to judge ourselves by our actions, not our intentions. We can intend to do all we want. But until it becomes action, it really doesn't count. So Job is this man in history in the Old Testament that... paints this picture of spiritual bankruptcy for us. How that he had the blessing of God on his life and God multiplied him and he had kids and he had farms and he had all this stuff. He had everything he desired. And he was a righteous man before God. He was in right standing with God. But there would come a point where the devil come to God and said, well, you're giving Job this unfair treatment and you're blessing him. Let me go and take things away from him, and he'll curse you, God. God said, no, you don't know Job like I know him. It doesn't matter how deep the valley is that he's in, he's still going to call on me. He's still going to look to me, the author and the finisher of his faith. No matter how deep, no matter how dark, no matter how trying the times is what we're living in, who are we going to look to to get ourselves out of the situations that we find ourselves in? Are we going to look to ourselves and our own abilities, or are we going to look to God? Because if we put our trust in Him, Dennis, He can pull us out of those situations. And the very first sermon that I ever preached in my, or second sermon, the first one I preached was on faith. Imagine that, that's like last week. I had three or four pages of notes, and next thing you know, about five minutes later up there when I was preaching, I was out of, out of material. That I, was, I was done. I, I didn't have nothing else to say. Now I get two or three little sentences and I can go on for hours and you guys get sick of hearing me. But the second sermon I preached was at Hilltop Tabernacle, the church I grew up in, and I went out there and preached a message about mountains and valleys. And when I was talking about mountains and valleys, I was talking about how wide the stream is at the bottom of the valleys. When we're in those valley experiences and we have those situations that we're facing in our life, it's not a mountaintop where it's all glorious. And how many's ever been on top of a mountain and looked out at the splendor of God? There's places down in Whitesburg, when you drive through down Whitesburg, Kentucky, you can look over top of that mountain, and it's just beautiful. You can see the caps of the mountains, and it's just, it's a glorious thing. I've been on the Rocky Mountains out in Colorado and looking out over this vast array that God has made, and it's a beautiful thing. But then sometimes whenever you get down in the valley and there's thorns and there's thistles and there's weeds and there's all kinds of junk around us and all this brush and you can't see anything, it's not all that glorious, is it? I remember after the ice storm come through several years ago, I went up my dad's holler and, and I hadn't been up there for a long time. I was living down in Tennessee and whenever I drove up here to look about going hunting and, and I was telling my friend about how glorious dad's property was and all this stuff was going on, I was like, you got to go with me. And I drive him all the way up here, 240 miles. And we go up Dad's Holler, and the ice storm had came, and it, it was trashed. I mean, you couldn't see 10 foot in front of your face. My buddy's like, what are you talking about, this good property? I hadn't seen it for a while. But those valleys are places of despair. Those valleys, when you get in the weeds, when you get in the brush, when you get in the thistles and the thorns and all that stuff, it's not all that splendorous. You can't see that. But the deepest, darkest spot of a valley is always a stream. We're sitting here right beside of one right now. And some streams are wider than the others. And that's what my second sermon was about. How wide is the stream going to be in your valley? It could be a little one like this from down here, and you can, you can bounce across two little rocks and get to the other side. That's a little valley. 
And there's valleys in our life like that. The second one, you can go over and a few hollers over here and go right over top of that hill and you'll end up in Kenny Connick. You can't jump on two rocks and get across Kenny Connick. It's a deeper, wider valley. It's a darker place. Then you go over here right on down this way and you run into the river. It's wider than that. You can't get across it like you can Kenny Connick. There's different valleys and different seasons in our life. And whenever the enemy comes, he attacks you in the valley. Those hilltop experiences is where we're close to God. But when we get down in those valleys, that's where the enemy comes in, like a flood, seeking whom he may devour. That's what he does. So as this is happening in Job's life, he has to go through this process to begin to understand some things. And Job's in despair. He's in this valley of life where he's in this deep, dark, wide valley. It's a big river, and he can't just jump across it. He can't just head up on the next mountaintop. He's got a ways to go here. And as he's going through this process of this, I, I went ahead, and Job's utter despair of loss in the natural affected his spiritual absolutely. We've seen that last week. But he only stayed there temporarily, so it's only for a season. Don't think when you're in that valley that it's going to last forever because God's going to bring you out. Amen? God is going to bring you out. We serve a God that draws us close to him, that brings us and calls us, come unto me, all that you labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the God we serve, a God that is drawing us out. So Job in chapter 31, he's going through this process to try to understand some things. Job 31, verse 29. If I've rejoiced over the misfortune of my enemy or exalted because of calamity found in him, I have not even permitted my mouth to sin by asking for his life through a curse. When we speak ill of others, we're actually cursing them. And we shouldn't speak a curse over anyone when we ask for a blessing for ourselves. Amen? It's God's job to judge. As Christians here today, it's not my job to judge anybody sitting here upon this, these banks here. My job is to preach the word of God to you, and God is our only judge. Don't allow other Christians to judge you. Don't let them put their expectations on you and tell you what they think and what they, their opinion is and all this. Look to God's word. What does it say? Let it be our judgment. Let it be our standard. Let it be our law. Let it be our guide. So Job is saying this, if members of my household had never said, if only there was someone who had not been satisfied from Job's meat. This is a verse I really like, verse 32. But no stranger had to spend the night outside, for I opened my doors to the traveler. Job looking back through his life and trying to figure out where he went wrong. He began to think about what have I done to help others? So yes, he has faith in God. Yes, he is righteous before God because of his faith. But then he says, I'm going to look back through this and see, yes, I was in right standing with God, but where did I go wrong? And he's, he asked that question to himself. And he said, let it be said, I don't want any stranger to spend a night outside. I open my doors to that traveler. And I know we're living in the 21st century, and I know that we're plagued in society with all different types of people. That whenever we come across strangers walking up and down the road, whenever we see a homeless person laying on a street corner, that it's hard for us today to say, I'm going to open my doors. But one thing I can tell you for sure is just a few generations ago, I've heard my dad talk about Uncle Ananias coming over to his house because he was hungry. When Uncle Ananias would come over, my grandma and grandpa didn't say, stay outside, sit out there on the swings and I'll bring you something out to eat. They opened up their door, invited him in, and whenever they brought him in, they'd set him at the table, and they'd feed him, and then he'd sit around for a while, and then he'd say, well, it's getting awful dark out, and they'd say, well, good, just stay all night. You don't have to walk back home. They opened up their doors to him. My grandma and grandpa did that. But then my great-grandma on my other side, Elvie Foose Gardner, she never knew a stranger. 
They, I don't care who they was. If she didn't know them, right, Mary? If she didn't know them at all, and they was walking up the street, and if she had food, it was their food. If she had a bed, she would go sleep on the couch and give them her bed. It's a person that gives more than they receive. And this is hard in our society, in our culture, in our way of doing life. This is hard. I understand that. But the blessings that the older generations had, maybe they got that blessing because of the generosity of their heart. And I challenge us today to ask us, what are we willing to do to help those in need? What are we really, truly giving up and saying, I'm willing to give this because God gave it to me anyway? And that's hard stuff. No stranger had to spend the night outside. Let this be said of me is what Job is saying. And if God brings me through this valley, let it be said that no stranger has to sleep outside. And I open up my doors to the traveler. Verse 33, if I've covered my transgression as men do by hiding iniquity in my heart, because I was terrified of the great multitude and the contempt of families terrified me so that I remained silent and would not go outdoors. So he's telling you what he had done before. Because there were so many people in Israel at that time and in the nation of God that he, and the family of God, that he said, I, I can't go outside because there's so many people in need. I've got so much. I own farms. I own slaves. I own all this stuff. I've got a family. I've got all these kids. Everybody I know is blessed. Everybody in my family is blessed. And I'm not going to go outside, and I'm not going to open my eyes to it so I don't see it. What if we put blinders on and say, well, I, I didn't see it, God? It's kind of like the person that walked up to Jesus whenever he's telling them about the Good Samaritan. Well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, God? He said, anybody's close to you? Anybody's right there beside of you? Who's our neighbor? Whoever's close to you. Whoever you're sitting beside of. Two of you are driving down along the street and you see them. If you see it, you're responsible for it. Job said, I'm just going to cover my eyes up. That way I don't have to worry about it. Don't let that be said of the church of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us. And he expects us to have our actions. If we're going to be Christ-like a Christian, it means that we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Did he give? Yeah. He gave us life. And he gave the whole time he was here. Sometimes even miraculously. Feeding 5,000 and 3,000 and all these different stories that we read about in the New Testament where Jesus helped those that were hurting. Verse 34, because I was terrified of the great multitude. Oh, I've read that. Verse 35, if only I had someone to hear me. Here's my signature. Let the God Almighty answer me. If I had only an indictment that my accuser had written, surely I would wear it proudly upon my shoulder. I would bind it on me like a crown. I would give him an accounting of my steps like a prince would approach him. If my land cried out against me and all furrows wept together, if I've even eaten its produce by paying or caused the death of its owners, then the thorns sprout up in the place of wheat and in the place of barley weeds. Then it says, the words of Job are ended. So as he's crossing these bridges and he's crossing this deepest, darkest valley of his life, and he's thinking back through these things, he said he opened his door. We know that we read just a few weeks ago here at church about opening our door, James, Jesus' brother. He said, for judgment is a merciless for those who show no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone who claims to have faith but does not have works, can this kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking food, and only one of you says, go in peace and warm and eat well, but you do not give them the, what the body needs, what good is it? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead being by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James, Jesus' brother, his very half-brother, this is Mary's other son, says, show me your faith without works, 
And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Well and good. Even the demons believe that and tremble with fear. The demons in hell believe in God. And James is asking the question to Christians. Yes, you believe in him. Yes, you confess him. Yes, you accept him as Lord of your life. And Romans, it tells us that. And yes, you are saved at that instant. And that salvation is free. He does not charge you for that. He does not ask anything for that. All you got to do is do that. You can't buy your way into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus. But after that, Jesus is asking, if you ask him to be Lord of your life, you know what that means? You control my life. You control my life. If you want to know what that feels like, I ask you to do this this week. Take your checkbook out and take it and hand it to somebody else. And ask them to just go ahead and take care of my bills for about three months. I'll, I'll give you the money I make, Dennis. And I'll, I'll, I'll have you put it in for me and you, you go ahead and pay my bills. That's a lot of trust, ain't it? That's placing a lot of trust in somebody. That's the trust we have to put in God. That we give him everything that's ours and say, here, you take care of it because I really can't. Maybe everybody here is good spenders. I don't know. Is everybody here like really good with your money and don't buy anything stupid and stay off Amazon? Is anybody, Sammy, is that you? Are you like that? Just. Why is he looking at Kelsey? He's not, he's not looking at Kelsey. He's like, I can't look at her right now. We all make dumb decisions in our choices and finances. Some's better than others, but we all make dumb decisions. Oh, why is Amy laughing? I don't know what this is about. What are you laughing about? I got pictures. <laughs> That's scary. Pictures are scary. Even the demons believe and tremble with fear. But would you like evidence, your empty fellow? You empty fellow. James is saying, you that are in spiritual bankruptcy, faith without works is useless. When we're in spiritual bankruptcy and we're experiencing deep, dark trials and tribulations in our life, and we feel like there's not anything left. And all we got to stand on is faith like we said last weekend. We all did that. A lot of people here last weekend raised their hand. A lot of people reapplied faith in their life. That they was going to look to God, the author and finisher of their faith, and say, God, I, I need you in this situation that I'm in. But this week is about taking it the next step. And like James is saying here, let your faith be proven by your actions, by our deeds, by our works. Paul told Timothy, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling before God. Work out your salvation. He didn't say you could work for it. He didn't say you could buy it. But you work it out with fear and trembling before God where that we do good deeds and this church, I, I know I'm browbeating on the best group of, of Christians in, in, in all the world, in my opinion. For the people of the bridge to be able to pull off what we pull off on a yearly basis as far as giving and doing for the community and doing all the things we do. I'm bragging on you guys. You guys are awesome. And know this, that your works that you're doing are not in vain. That God in heaven sees them and he knows them. And when you do those things, I promise you this. He puts them on your account. And when you're in the midst of that valley, Dennis, and you feel like that there's nowhere else to go, first, have faith in God. Second, begin to prove it by your actions. Even though I'm going through a hard time, can I do something else to bless somebody else? Amen?
Am I willing to step out and say, yes, I know I'm battling this issue right now myself, but I'm not going to worry about myself. I'm going to help somebody else. I promise you this, that when you help others, help comes to you. Whatever you sow is what you reap. If you need help, help others, and you'll be helped yourself. How many is willing to go that extra mile this week and say, I'm going to look around. I'm not going to put blinders on. I'm not going to be like Job is talking about here, and I'm not going to shut my house door, and I'm not going to do that. Well, yeah, you can shut your house door. Not time. Leslie's cat and dogs are run out, so we've got to shut our door. We'll help somebody in need. Be willing to help. And Job talks about iniquity in his heart. The Old Testament in Psalms 51, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. This is a verse a lot of people quote all the time. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not reject me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Let me again experience the joy of your deliverance. Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. Renew within me a right spirit. In spiritual bankruptcy, we need to ask God to renew us, to strengthen us, to give us new faith and new things to do. The accuser of the brethren that Job was talking about later on in the verses that we read just a moment ago is proven in Revelation chapter 12. And it said, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accused them day and night before God. The Old Testament. Job is being accused, and this is one of the earliest texts in the Bible, in Job, the book of Job. And he's talking about an accuser of the brethren. And you see it spelled out when the devil goes before God and says, try, try Job, God, you're giving him too much. You're letting him stay on top of the mountain too long. Try him, God, and he'll, he'll doubt you. And in the midst of that valley, Job says, what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let it be said of me, let it be said of you, that in the midst of our valley, I'm going to trust God. In the middle of my spiritual bankruptcy, Dusty, I'm going to trust God. When I'm going through troubles and trials, what am I going to do? I'm going to trust God. And whenever I trust Him, guess what? That's going to turn to actions. Because I'm going to see others that's in need too. And I'm going to look to help somebody else. And when the the accuser of the brethren accuses you, whenever he comes after you, Know this, that you're no different than anybody else. In Corinthians, it says that no troubles or no trials will overtake you, but that which is common to man. And God will make a way of escape. He'll make a way of escape for you so that you don't have to worry. Am I going to get through this one? Is this the final big battle that the enemy's coming after me? And I'm going to go down in this valley and I'm going to drown down in that creek because I can't get across. No, the God we serve says, come out from amongst them. Be ye separate, says God. Why? Because when we do that and we look to him and we trust him, look unto the hills from which cometh my help. And if you're in the midst of that valley today, lift up your eyes, oh, you countenance. Open up your gates. Why? Because God is coming for you. I believe these things. I've experienced these things. I know what I'm saying is true. No matter what stage you're in, I promise you today, God is your helper. He's my sustainer. He's everything I need. And I can't do nothing without Him. And I'm tired of fighting. And I'm tired of struggling. And I'm trying to, tired of trying to do and get my way out of this mess. And today, what am I going to do? I'm going to put my faith in God, yes. But guess what? I'm going to apply actions to Him too because that's being God-like. And when I do those things, Job proves it. And we'll hear it next week. When you put your faith and actions in God and He sees them, He's coming to help you. When you help others, He's coming to help you. I promise you. He said in His Word, whatever you sow, You'll reap. It's Galatians chapter 6. You want to know where it's at? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And with the same measure that he sows, that shall he also reap. So how big's your scoop? 
If you sow out in your garden, you can walk down through and plant you an aisle and you can throw one or two little seeds down every five foot. And let's think about this in the spiritual. Are we just going to just partially plant one every now and then? Well, I'll plant a seed every third week, God. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about good deeds out here in our community. I'll, do, I'll, I'll go through the line every third week and I'll, I'll pay for the car behind me. Is that enough? Good deeds are not bad things. I'm not saying that. But how much are you planting? And in the spiritual, let's think about it this way this week. And I remember when Dad used to have animals at home. And I'm glad we don't have animals now. Other than her dog, she can feed them. I don't have to worry about that. Derek and them, they still got to go feed their cattle and all that stuff. You, some people love animals like that. I remember it as work. We'd go down there in the corn crib and we'd have corn. And there's a big scoop shovel. Anybody ever used a scoop shovel? I want to raise your hand. Has anybody ever had a scoop shovel in your hand? We're going to have to get some workers around here. What's the deal? A big old scoop shovel. You take it down there and you'd scoop up a big old sh- shovel full of that corn. It'd save you a lot of work from having to pick them up one at a time. What if we would begin to sow into our future in works, in good deeds, in actions with scoop shovel mentality? I'm going to spread so much love. I'm going to spread so much kindness. I'm going to spread so much mercy. I'm going to spread so much grace. I'm going to spread so much forgiveness, meekness, kindness, temperance, all these things that it says in Galatians that tells us the fruit of the Spirit. If I would sow all those things, guess what's coming back home? What you plant is what you reap. You put a corn hull in the shell, a kernel down in the ground, what's going to grow? Corn. You put peas down in the ground, what's going to grow? Peas. If you're sowing unforgiveness, guess what's coming back? What's going to grow? If you sow hatred, what's going, to, what's going to grow? If you sow envy, what's going to grow? If you sow bitterness, what's going to grow? Read these things in Galatians where it says that. It's the fruit of the flesh. But if we sow the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to receive those things back. How many needs mercy today? You know what mercy is, don't you? It's not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. What's grace? It's getting what you don't deserve. If somebody's gracious to me. God didn't have to give me salvation. He was gracious to me to give me salvation when I didn't even deserve it. That's grace. Let's sow these things so that we see them come back to us because that's what we need to get out of the valleys we're in. If you're in spiritual bankruptcy today, I want you to ponder this thing all week long. I want to sow some things because I need a harvest to come. I need to get out of this situation that I'm in. And I'm sick of being spiritually bankrupt. I'm sick and tired of it. Because if you sow, you'll reap. Last week, I wanted to tell a story. And I didn't. This week's the same thing. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's next week. It'll be okay. It'll be next week. Go ahead and wait. You can watch via Facebook stream. I'm sure your lovely little daughters and maybe your sister over there come next week and, and stream it for you. Let's bow our heads. Bow your heads, close your eyes. No looking around, no worrying about what your neighbor's doing. I want to make this a moment of reflection between you and God.
Father, I pray that you would speak to your people. God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would minister to them in this moment. This moment of silence, God. This moment of solitude where we're just sitting here and we're listening for you. God, that we want to hear your voice. And Lord, that it would reverberate in our heart. Lord, that you would awaken the dead places. That you would renew a right spirit within those that are sitting here today. Lord, that they would cast off restraint. I pray this in Jesus' name. No looking around. Just keep your eyes closed. And Leslie, sing that, that song. Sing that. Still, I will trust you. Though you take from me, I will bless you. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who holds me. Everybody sing. trust him in this place today amen we serve an awesome god he's worthy to be praised if you don't know him today if you've never accepted him as the lord of your life like i said a moment ago if you've never turned your spiritual checkbook over to him say god i'm sick and tired of trying to keep it all straight myself and i need you today to cleanse me oh god to make me right before you. 
just pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus to come in and be Lord of your life and forgive you of your sins. And He will do just that. For those of you that are been chasing God and seeking God, and maybe this message today was a little challenging and I don't like challenging people this way. But sometimes we need to hear a message like we just heard. It says, He's asking you for action, not just words. The world needs to see a Jesus that cares. The world needs to see a Jesus that gives and don't take. God, I pray today that you would bless the people of the bridge. God, that you would bless us abundantly so that we can give unto others. God, open up the doors of our heart. Open up our eyes to see. God, make us a people that makes you famous by knowing that we are a giving group of people because you have given to us. And God, let us sow this week into your world, into your society, into your kingdom so that you become famous in our community, God. God, I pray for the people of Lewis County right now that don't know you as their Savior. God, that's only seen churches that fight and bicker and compete against each other. God, I pray that you tear down the walls and separation. God, allow us to work together for your kingdom business. God, I pray today that you would open up our hearts and make us a people that are known as your people. Jesus, I pray you become famous to the lost in our society. For the downtrodden, God, for those without, I pray that you would open up their heart's door to receive you as you knock. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.